brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. The Christmas season is typically one of joy in the church, but ours in 2021 was marred by Supich unleashing his wrath on the traditional Catholic faith in the name of unity. That was quickly followed by a barrage of liturgical nonsense in the Novus Ordo that caused many to scratch their heads in confusion because once it became clear that what was permitted in the church now was something so not Catholic that many were repelled from the Mass and the faith by it, that many more normal Catholics were beginning to see things the way many of us do, that there is something seriously wrong in the church now and has been for a long, long time, and that the moves against the Latin Mass in our time and before weren't limited to the preconciliar form of the liturgy, but it also included a general war against liturgical piety and the right worship due to God. Once that realization hit, many began to ask some rather serious questions. So let's go over that today because new details have emerged out of the mess in Chicago that need to be discussed. And I'm going to start with something that caught fire and spread across the internet a few days ago, while many of you were wisely taking a break for Christmas from social media. What I'm about to show you came from the Archdiocese of Chicago just a couple of days after Cardinal Supich released his statement suspending the traditional Latin Mass for Holy Days of Obligation and major feast days in his archdiocese. And his statement was meant to be one that was read in the voice of Francis, meaning that not only was the message aimed at his own priests, but at his brother bishops across America and in the English-speaking world, they were expected to follow suit. So brace yourself. Uh, This video footage was taken by a layman at a Christmas vigil mass in the Archdiocese of Chicago. And as of the time of the production of this video, everyone you see there are still priests and deacons and the rest in good standing in Chicago, and Cardinal Supich appears to have no problem with them. No formal correction has been issued from Cardinal Supich. This is what is permitted in Chicago. This is absolutely an invalid mass. The Eucharist cannot possibly have been confected, and any act of adoration done to the host is being illicit. I won't say it's a sin, because the typical layman there probably has no idea, because what constitutes a valid mass is some pretty complicated things. But what you're seeing are some of the worst errors liturgically you will ever see in our time, and this is permitted in Chicago while Supich focuses on suppressing the Catholic mass. This may as well be the new Pacamama right in the nor- in North America in its own variety of it as its own liturgical expression. And this isn't the first time this has happened. Cardinal Supich has gone to all sorts of these kind of masses in the past. He has a history of doing this. So while Supich and Francis in their respective documents both refer to correcting liturgical errors in the Novus Ordo, no action whatsoever has been taken to curb this nonsense. This is allowed and encouraged by their action. We have plenty of examples of them standing by and letting this stuff happen right in front of their eyes before. The good folks at fisheaters.com described this in the reply to the tweet of the video as Nova Sordo the Musical. That's pretty apt. What I'm going to focus on today is this thought, that what we're seeing is an attack on the reform of the reform itself. As Eric Sammons, the editor of Crisis Magazine and 1 Peter 5 said on Twitter, he has heard from one of his sources that in Chicago a priest was saying the Novus Ordo ad orientum, meaning with his quote-unquote back to the people in the traditional way a mass is supposed to be said, and he was doing it in Latin, and after the new directions of the traditional Latin mass came down from on high, he stopped and started saying it in the more typical, less irreverent way. Traditionis Custodis, the response is ad dubia, 
and Supich's implementation that weirdly Vatican News decided to report on, which is very strange, are all an attack on the reform of the reform. And if you don't know what that is, the reform of the reform is pretty straightforward. Benedict began an effort to restore reverence to the Novus Ordo, to essentially take the Protestant rite of mass developed by Bugnini and Paul VI and make it Catholic through reforming the way the liturgy was said, with the way the mass was said. He was largely ignored on this, but this is where your unicorn masses come from. Across the world, we've seen in the wake of Traditionis Custodis, priests in far-flung places who said the unicorn mass getting censured by their bishops for saying the mass in a quote-unquote divisive way. The video I showed you is much more in keeping with their liturgical sensibilities than it is with anything recognizably Catholic. But that's because, as one writer in a recent article over at New Liturgical Movement stated, Francis's actions, along with his hirelings, Supich and Roach, their actions are all an admission that the new Mass is a rupture with the Catholic faith, since they themselves declared the Mass said for 1,500 years of church history in the Latin West to be dangerous to the faith. For those who don't know, there's a bigger difference between the Novus Ordo Mass and the traditional Latin Mass than merely the language, language it was set in. There's about a 7% continuity between the Old Mass and the New, according to a recent study. Now, as these folks have said that, said that, admitted tacitly that there's a rupture, they're admitting that the New Mass and its promulgation was a rupture with the history of the Church, and in so doing, they have delegitimized the New Mass. They did that, not traditionalists. They are using brute force to get the faithful to accept it. And in so doing, they have exposed themselves as some of the most vicious examples of modernism in the history of the crisis of the church. As the author of the piece I'm referencing on the New Liturgical Movement website says, quote, The premises that have now been established with Traditionis Custodis and reaffirmed by the responsa of the Congregation for Divine Worship are for the first time clearly unacceptable to anyone who has hitherto preferred the liturgical books of 1962 for reasons other than preference or sympathy of mentality. Indeed, now the liturgical tradition up to the Second Vatican Council is quite blatantly relegated to an allegedly deficient, even lacking, conformity with the Church's Lex Orandi, and pushed out of the realm of what is to be henceforth considered the Roman Rite. Thus, the liturgical reform of Paul VI is claimed not by obscure or extremist critics of Vatican II, but by the highest authority of the Church itself to be a rupture, this must, at least in strict theory, deprive it of the legitimacy it may have originally had formerly, or may have gained in the meantime through long-continued use in the numerically predominant part of the Church. Those who felt obliged by ecclesiastical obedience to accept the post-conciliar liturgical reform, and yet endeavor not to make use of the new rite of Mass in conscious opposition to the previous one, are equally challenged by the interpretation given to the liturgical reform in Traditionis Custodis, and the related explanations from the Congregation for Divine Worship, to reconsider their previous attitude and liturgical practice. End quote. The real division being sown in the Church is being done so by these modernists and their suppression of the Catholic rite of Mass in favor of things like I just showed you a short clip of up in Chicago, which Supich has a long history of himself attending. This rejection of the reform of the reform is a rupture, and that means that the hermeneutic of continuity has been rejected. The idea of the hermeneutic of continuity says basically this, if you're not familiar with it, that Vatican II should be interpreted in light of tradition and the history of the Church in continuity with everything that came before. The idea comes from Cardinal Ratzinger before he became Benedict XVI, and it was exposed long ago for being incoherent, but at least the idea seemed plausible to many, and for many it was the cause of a sort of peace in the church. It was an uneasy peace, but largely 
the church was internally at peace between traditional Catholics and typical lay Catholics. That all ended with Francis when he endorsed what Benedict called the hermeneutic of rupture, which if you don't know what that is, Benedict resoundingly rejected it when he said the following in his famous speech in December 2005 to the Roman Curia about the hypermodernists and of some and traditional Catholics, both engaging what he considered to be an error, although I disagree with him on this. But here's what he had to say on that. This was the Vatican's official stance from the John Paul II papacy up until about six months ago. Quote, On the one hand, there is an interpretation that I would call a hermeneutic of discontinuity and rupture. It has frequently availed itself of the sympathies of the mass media and also one trend of modern theology. On the other, there is the hermeneutic of reform, of renewal in the continuity of the one subject, church, which the Lord has given to us. She is a subject which increases in time and develops, yet always remaining the same. The one subject of the journeying people of God. The hermeneutic of discontinuity risks ending in a split between the preconciliar church and the postconciliar church. It asserts that the texts of the council as such do not yet express the true spirit of the council. It claims that they are the result of compromises in which, to reach unanimity, it was found necessary to keep and reconfirm many old things that are now pointless. However, the true spirit of the council is not to be found in these compromises, but instead in the impulses towards the new that are contained in the text. These innovations alone were supposed to represent the true spirit of the council, and starting from and in continuity with them, it would be possible to move forward. Precisely because the text would only imperfectly reflect the true spirit of the council and its newness, it would be necessary to go to courageously beyond the texts and make room for the newness in which the council's deepest intentions would be expressed, even if it were still vague. In a word, it would be necessary not to follow the text of the council, but its spirit. In this way, obviously, a vast margin was left open for the question on how this spirit would, should subsequently be defined, and room was consequently made for every whim. End quote. Again, that was Benedict XVI in his first major address to the Roman Curia after becoming Pope. And Benedict there does a good job of summarizing the facts. And while is certainly aiming at traditional Catholics to some degree, his real target is clearly the hypermodernists, because the traditional Catholics don't believe that that's a good thing. The hypermodernists, that is their party line. The groups we're talking about are like groups that went by the names like the St. Gallen group, lavender types, who wanted to break away completely from the old faith. They are represented by Francis, Supich, Roach, and many others in our time, and they are pushing ahead. The attack is not only on the traditional liturgy, but on the reform of the reform. The, you know, the attempt to make the Novus Ordo appear Catholic, and thus any remaining vestiges of the Catholic faith that aren't merely aesthetic. Francis is the living, breathing embodiment of the spirit of Vatican II, and these prelates are his hireling enforcers. Once you understand that, the rest makes sense. But there is pushback against this coming from those who still hold to the now-dead hermeneutic of continuity, and that pushback needs to happen. Not to preserve the hermeneutic of continuity, because... It is part of the process of making it absolutely clear to those on the fence that there is no continuity of the triumph of modernism and that after the council and with what came before, this struggle here is all part of making that clear to people. And that's why it's a good thing this is happening. I have a good example of this in the form of a priest writing an open letter to Supich on the attack being made on the reform of the reform. And the letter is pretty simple. The priest is asking him to enforce the rubrics of the Novus Ordo Mass in conformity with his own statements and with the the statements made by Francis. And the example of, that I showed you above previously is a jarring example. Those sorts of things are allowed to run rampant with abuse and liturgical innovations that frankly invalidate the Mass. 
Again, don't attend those masses. And for whatever reason, if you find yourself at one and you see that kind of nonsense happening, don't bother receiving the Eucharist there because it's not the Eucharist. Those masses are invalid. Anyway, here's the letter. Quote, Dear Cardinal Supich, I write to you as a Catholic priest on the feast of St. Thomas Becket, who is commemorated in the octave of Christmas. St. Thomas Becket was certainly a complex man, but in the end, and the end is ultimately important to us all, how he died so violently in the cathedral at Canterbury at the hands of assassins driven to that terrible deed by King Henry II made him a saint, not by a proclamation from Rome, but rather because of the common Catholics who understood that he was a martyr for the Catholic faith. Your Croatian heritage surely must give you a deep sense of what it cost and still cost to be a Catholic in that part of the world, and it must give you a deep sense of what it means to be the descendant of, of those who came to America into the New World and whose Catholic faith was an integral part of their lives. You are the Archbishop of the Center of what we call Midwestern Catholicism, certainly different in ethnic ways from where I grew up in the Northeast. Ethnic Catholicism is the historical basis for the presence of the Catholic faith in the, in the United States. In some ways, the Catholic faith and practice was a foreign body in the United States religious scene that was mostly Protestant, but it became a religious force in the United States by virtue of sheer numbers and the dogged faith of ordinary Catholics, who were not clergy nor intellectuals, but ordinary Catholics who were faithful to the teaching of the Church, and who went to Mass as a solemn obligation, which understanding of obligation came from their deep faith. With this as a background, it is so very difficult to understand why you and many other bishops seem to have abandoned your God-given role of bishops of vigorously evangelizing this country and the whole world to the Catholic faith, whose center is the person of Jesus Christ. You seem to have bought into the post-Vatican II embracing of the modern world, a world that no longer exists except in the Vatican. You have joined those who became drunk not with the Holy Spirit, but with the spirit of the 1960s, which years were a cultural watershed in the history of the West. You refuse to let go of the 1960s. You have been and are living in the past, and as such are irrelevant to the contemporary world, the Church, or at least those leaders of the Church, after the Second Vatican Council. A valid council, but no less or no more important than any other ecumenical council. They decided to become modern when the world became postmodern. It is true that you were not around when the spirit of the council set its course to a rapprochement with the post-1960s world, a world that has already vanished and is irrelevant today. But you seem to be a product of those who have reinterpreted in a negative way, under the guise of quote-unquote openness, Jesus' command to his disciples before his ascension to evangelize the world in his name, the world that we must love as Christ loved it, but the world which in, in Johannine theology is opposed to the truth of Jesus Christ. If I were in your presence, I would ask you how you understand the Great Commission given the apostles by Jesus Christ. The apostles certainly took it seriously and paid the ultimate price for doing so. How is the Great Commission carried out today? The Pacamama scandal is the answer to, your, to that question. But all this is a mere prelude to my deep horror at your recent decree of implementation of the motu proprio traditionis custodis for the Archdiocese of Chicago. It shows a terrible lack of pastoral sensitivity. You are a pastor, not a lawyer, and among other things, a lack of basic knowledge of the rubrics of the Novus Ordo Mass. You cannot hide behind the survey of the bishops of the world concerning the question of whether the, the liberality, in the Christian sense of that word, freedom given to the church by Pope Benedict XVI, still living, to celebrate the Mass according to the liturgical forms of the tradition of the church as a true exercise plurality in unity, was harmful to the unity of the church. That that survey was never made public undermines any rational basis for the negative and draconian measures promulgated in Traditionis Custodis. 
you certainly have a pastoral obligation to those in your archdiocese who are attached to the traditional Roman Mass, the essence of which may date in part to the first centuries of the Church. But this obligation to your sheep is certainly not evident in your recent document of implementation of Traditionis Custodis in the Archdiocese of Chicago. I will comment on only one of your directives, one of the most egregious, for it is based on ignorance of the rubrics of the Missal of Pope St. Paul VI. Your directive that the priest must face the people in celebrating Mass has no basis in liturgical history and as a product of sentimental and mistaken understanding of the relationship between the priest and the people in the Mass. But to the point, are you not aware of the rubrics of the 1970 Missal and the current version of the Novus Ordo Missal that assumes that the priest is facing east, that is, towards God who has come to judge the living and the dead? Have you ever read the rubric at the Orate Fratres that tells the priest to face the people. The same for the peace and for the behold the Lamb of God. If the priest were facing the people throughout the Mass, these rubrics would make no sense. Obviously, these rubrics, in place for nearly 50 years, are something you have never read. If you have not done so, how can you possibly decree that the Mass today must be celebrated facing the people? Furthermore, do you understand, as the Church has always understood until very recently, that unity does not demand rigid conformity in matters of liturgical rites? In how many of your parishes is the expressed desire of the Constitution on the liturgy of Vatican II, that particular law remaining in force, the use of the Latin language is to be preserved in the Latin rites, as a living reality, or that Gregorian chant must be given pride of place in the celebration of the parish mass? One could go at length about the radical discontinuity of the Novus Ordo Mass with the traditional Roman Mass and the discontinuity between Sacrosanctum Concilium and the Novus Ordo Misse imposed on the Church by St. Paul VI. Are you aware of this discontinuity? If you are, you have an obligation to address it. The question for you, Archbishop Supich, is this. Do you care about the real discontinuity between the Roman Missal of 1962 and the Roman Missal of 1970, whose validity is not in question? Are you able spiritually to address the parlor, parlor state of the Catholic Church today, in which an increasingly small number of Catholics believe in the real presence of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, and in which below 20% of Catholics in this country go to Mass regularly? Perhaps you would be able to be a true good shepherd of your people if you at least obeyed the rubrics of the Novus Ordo Missal and face God with your people, instead of facing each other, in a closed circle that shuts out the transcendent God, that would be a good first step out of the miasma that afflicts the church today. But even more importantly, I pray that you would understand that you have an obligation, first of all, to the truth, and not some contemporary understanding of the truth that has been relativized, but rather to the truth whose name is Jesus Christ, for whom, like St. Thomas Becket, we should be willing to die. Yours in Christ, Father Richard Gennaro Cipolla. End of letter. Folks, I think that we're in for a rough 2022, but I think that maybe, just maybe, more Catholics are waking up to the state of things in the Church. The ongoing suppression of all sacraments in Quebec, for no good reason, is waking many up to the modernist rule in the Church, especially in that country, and the suppression of the Catholic Mass by Francis, the fake dubia by Roach, and Supich's overreach that will deny many valid sacraments at Easter and beyond, are waking up many. But how far will this go? How many will wake up? Let me know in the comments, please. Is 2022 going to be another year of darkness in the church, or do you think the turnaround may begin this year? I'm not sure what will happen, but I'm hopeful that more will wake up. Give me your thoughts in the comments, please, and like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. And thank you for going, <laughs> sitting through this slightly longer than usual video. It's appreciated. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.